What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, and after a two-week hiatus, well, after a month hiatus for one of us, I'm very pleased to be on this Zoom call with Chris Grenham and Nicole Yang. It's been a minute. A lot of schedule conflicts, a lot of stuff going on for everybody. Nicole, of course, is embedded in the Patriots season that just continues to amaze everyone. Today, we're going to kind of take a bigger picture, look at the Celtics. We figure that as we jump back in, people don't want to hear our nitty gritties on Celtics Raptors. We're going to take a kind of a bigger picture look on whether we are bullish or bearish on the Celtics. Basically, are we up or down on them at this stage in the season? I think we'll be able to touch on quite a few topics. We'll go person by person. And I think as the returner, why don't we have Nicole go first? Nicole. I think I'm going to say I'm bearish on the Celtics. I know Tom has a lot of stats prepared, so I am eager to hear them because maybe they will change my mind. But I don't know. I just think we're basically a quarter of the way through the season now. Like it's a sizable sample. The biggest thing to me also as someone that's been watching the Celtics like very casually as the Patriots season is going on, like I just think their chemistry has been off. And to make a reference as a Patriots reporter, like that's something that that team has been harping on a lot. You know, it sounds silly and hokey to be like, oh, team spirit and things like that. But like how much the camaraderie actually has benefited them, how much they want to play for each other, things like that. And I just think the Celtics lack a lot of those same qualities. And so for a team that's gotten off to a bad start, like I think actually when we were podcasting before the season, we talked about how important a good start would be for this team because winning does solve a lot of team problems for any league. They got off to a poor start though. And like digging yourself out of that, it's not as simple as like, Oh, you just have to play better. Like I think the chemistry has definitely been off. We talked about it specifically with Marcus smart. He's still in a bit of a funk. He's been pretty good for a lot of these stretches. And I think that's definitely a positive. I think um, if there's like a, a way to find an in-between, like I'm bullish on the Celtics defense. I think their defense is very good. I'm definitely bearish on their offense. I think they're a 500 team, which is what they're playing. Like, I think, what are they, 11 and 10 right now? I think that's about a game or two above 500, around the 500 mark. Like, I think that's what this team is. And I don't think that's wildly shocking. We knew this team lacked offense at the beginning of the year. And they do right now because Jason Tatum just hasn't been what they need him to be. And so offensively, I think that's my biggest takeaway Right now, the way I look at this team from a bird's eye view is, well, they have a good defense and they can lock teams down. But at the same time, you're also crossing your fingers saying, all right, we hope Jalen and Jason are both healthy, which hasn't really been the case a whole lot because Jalen has dealt with his hamstring issue and whatever. And also, we hope that they can give us 60 plus points. And that just hasn't been the case either night in and night out. So if I did have to pick a side, I would go bearish just because I don't really trust this offense. But I do think they have a really good defense. And I think that gives them a shot against a lot of teams, but you just don't know really what you're going to get offensively, which makes me lean toward the bearish side. I'm bullish on the Celtics, and I know you guys are both rolling your eyes. However, here's the thing. I think the Celtics, yes, the Celtics are 11-10, and 10, and I think there's a lot of stats that make this team look like last year's team. Once again, they're kind of underperforming their efficiency, right? Like where they don't finish games very well. Their fourth quarters have been really tough. I think it all kind of comes down to, do you think that Jason Tatum is going to keep shooting this poorly from three all season? It's certainly possible that he will, but I mean, he is, he's shooting 31.6% from three this year. That is obscenely low for him. His game is predicated on three pointers. And one of the encouraging things, one of the reasons to buy in, I think, is that he's figuring out ways to affect the game, even when he's not making three pointers. So last night he was a net positive for the Celtics. He was, you know, he was plus 13 in that game, even though he, I think he was two for 16 from the floor, just like a horrendous shooting performance. 
you know, the Raptors were still defending him like a superstar. They were still throwing everything at him and, and, you know, giving him a lot of looks. He was passing out of it really well. He ended with 10 assists. The Celtics offense, Grenham, to your point, it has been the biggest issue. But if you look at, you know, Tatum, he's eating up like 31% usage and his points per shot attempt are incredibly low. He's in like the 40th percentile. So again, is Jason Tatum going to continue to be this player? If he isn't, I think there's a lot of, if he, if he does take a few steps up and kind of become the player that everybody expects him to be, I think one of the things we're seeing on this team is that there is a ton of depth. Josh Richardson has actually added quite a bit. The bigs have added quite a bit. And we talked before the season about what it would mean if Grant Williams and Romeo Langford, or if some of these young guys started pitching in, it kind of means a lot. Like Grant Williams has been one of the team's best players over the last two games. Romeo Langford has shown some really encouraging signs that's like, that's a pretty fair amount of depth. Ennis Cantor now has the team's best on off differential. Like Ennis Cantor freedom. And sorry, it is, it is Monday. Monday. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, it is. It is Ennis Cantor freedom. Now the Celtics have outscored opponents in 110 non-garbage time minutes with Cantor on the floor. They have outscored opponents by 25.7 points per hundred possessions, like obscene numbers. So if you just kind of go through the other players on the roster there's a lot of guys who are playing pretty well, and there's one guy who isn't. And the one guy who isn't is the guy who you would expect down the line to kind of figure things out and get himself going. So that's why I'm bullish. I, I think that if Tatum gets going, if he finds his range from three, whether it's the Wilson balls, whether it's the way teams are defending him, whatever it is, like I think that is going to – like they're 11 and 10. If he, if he gets on a little bit of a run here, the Celtics rattle off like five or six games in a row – all of a sudden you're, you're having a very different conversation about where this team is at. I think that's the right way to look at it if you're going to be bullish. And the depth has been really good. I think Tatum is going to be better than he has been when he's been down over this last stretch. Like, you're right. He had the 30-point stretch there against some iffy opponents, like against, the, what was it, Lakers, Houston, Thunder, and maybe Atlanta, I think, were those 30-point games. So, like, I think he's going to, you know, water is going to find its level with him at some point, but I think that level is lower than I expected it to be. And I still think that when he ultimately improves his play consistency wise a little bit, I still don't think it's at the level that the Celtics need for them to be a good enough offensive team to like make any playoff noise. You know what I mean? Like I do think they are going to get better offensively because the depth is shining through a little bit. You have guys like Grant and Romeo and Josh Richardson who are, like firmly in that rotation and, and playing really well. But I just don't, I still don't really think the top of the roster is as good as we once thought it might be and also as good as they need it to be. Do you know, you know what I mean? The other thing too about Jason is he's given us like no reason to believe that he's not a streaky player yet. So yeah, sure. His performance will probably improve and like he'll return to the mean or regress to the mean or whatever. But like, I'm pretty sure there's going to be another dip as he's shown, like he's subject to these ebbs and flows and I agree that like eventually he will start flowing again, but I imagine there will be an ebb that follows. His dips have never made him a 31% shooter though. Like he's never been this bad for this long, which is why I think like even before when he did have the dips, like the average that he got back to was 38, right? Like it was like a 38% three point shooter. Like the longer this goes, the less of an anomaly this feels like, but it still feels like one to me. Like this just doesn't feel like, who Jason Tatum is again, if he gets back to where he was before, we're starting to see a lot of things that would 
elevate him, or even if he gets back to like, you know, 35, 36% from three, we're starting to see those other things that would elevate him into that all NBA type conversation, right? With the passing, I mean, he's been rebounding really well this season. I think he's got a career high there. I just, I, I think that the, the other things that he's adding to his game and the other elements that he's sort of bringing together will make a big difference for him. I'm not ready to write off the, like the higher level evaluations. I, I definitely understand like giving this season a real side eye because he really cannot find it from three at all. Like it just doesn't, nothing looks natural to him as a three point shooter right now. But I do think that some of the other things matter quite a bit as well. And some of the other things that he's, especially the passing, like that just opens up a lot for him. I do think the perimeter elements of his game have been really good and that round out his game really nicely, especially on nights like the Houston game when his three-point shot isn't falling or last night against Toronto when he can't really do anything scoring-wise, but he figures out a way to impact the game, kind of get his teammates involved. Like Those are things he wouldn't have done even last year to a point. So I think the perimeter elements of his game have been really nice, like playmaking and that sort of thing. But I have no reason to believe that he's going to get, at least at this point, that he's going to go away from the streakiness and become the consistent guy that the Celtics need him to be like. The perimeter elements are great, but on this particular team, I don't think he's going to get to the level that this offense needs him to be at night in and night out. I do think that the Celtics' depth is better than I once assumed, and that's good. And I do think the outer areas of Tatum's skill set have improved better than I thought they would. But I don't think the ceiling of his game this season is good enough to bring this roster offensively to where it needs to be. That's why I would say I'm bearish on this team because I, I don't think his upside, at least from what I've seen through the fifth of the season, is really what this offense needs. You know what I mean? Well, I guess maybe what we should do is define what we mean by bullish or bearish, right? Like, so like where, like, what do you, when you look at this team and you say you're, you're like, if you're bearish, you're like a little more down on them. Like yeah. what do you see as kind of a good outcome for them? And why do you think they won't achieve that? Like a good outcome for them would be, I think would be a couple games above 500 at this point. I think they're a 500 team. It's what I think. And I do think that they're going to sit around there for the majority of the year. So if I was bullish, I would be saying they're going to be five games or more above 500 is what I would say for, for bullish in my mind. And I don't, at the current state, I don't see that happening because of the lack of consistency. I'm not saying they're going to be 13 games below 500 at the end of the year. I really do just think they're a very average team. That's kind of where I see them at this point. I was speaking in terms of like playoffs. Like I don't think they're going to make any noise. Yeah, I don't either. I'm bearish on any sort of postseason hope. Should we do bullish or bearish on the Wizards or do we want to make that a secondary segment here? I mean, well, the Wizards are kind of an interesting test case for the Celtics though too, right? Because like the Celtics have had these struggles early in the season. They're only two and a half games back of the Wizards who are third in the East right now. The, the East is so crowded. It does... If any team goes on a bit of a run, they're going to have a real chance to elevate themselves. Now, that obviously, like that could be the Hornets, that could be the the Bulls, that could be the Bucks, whoever it is. It, it is kind of interesting how, like, basically whatever narrative you bought into before the season, whatever team, whatever player, whatever it is, it's still in play. Like, if, if you're if you're talking about an Eastern Conference team, like the Celtics, you know, I I think the Celtics still have a chance to. Uh, you know, get up into that kind of echelon that we were talking about them before the season as like a, a positive case. Also, any number of teams could end up ahead of them because they're in ninth currently, but they're in ninth, like three and a half games out of first. It's it's really bizarre. I just think there's too many shades of like last season. That's sort of like what I was trying to allude to with the chemistry. Like 
Tom, could you please share their like clutch game record? I feel like it's two and seven. Their fourth quarter performance has not been great. Like there's just too many things that we saw last year where again, why would we have any reason to believe this would change? Because it's not even just this small sample size. This is extending back a full season. Losing to the Spurs, I feel like is a quintessential Celtics loss in one isolated season. Sure. You can get over it, but like just seeing what we've have for the past two years, it's hard to believe that this isn't just who this current team is. So the difference to me is that last year's team, any success they had was because Jason Tatum was awesome. And this year's team, like Jason Tatum has not been awesome and they've still found some success. Like that's why I keep coming back to if Tatum can turn it around. Cause yeah, if Tatum doesn't turn it around and they brought in all this depth and Jalen is still playing pretty well, of course, they're just going to be exactly like last year's team. But if you throw in that last factor that I feel like this team is missing, which is their superstar playing like a superstar, that's what I think could elevate them. So That's fair. That's a good point. As much as Grenham and I could take a lap about the Wizards, like the depth is way better. Like Grant Williams has been fantastic this season, and I don't know if anybody saw it coming. Stat Muse today tweeted out a a, like Grant Williams is shooting 50, 40, 90. The image of Grant Williams that they used was Steph Curry in a in a Celtics jersey. (laughs) And I I think they meant to do it. Like I think it was intentional because everybody was that's funny. That's like the bulk of my argument on the Celtics is, is that everything else has gotten better this year. It's just that one piece. And if that works, fantastic. I think this could be a good team. Uh, and again, you look at the standings, it's not like they're that far out of it at this stage. So, but I also think that it is, it is worrisome. Look, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, stirring a bunch of shit here, but like, it is worrisome that like Jalen and Jason haven't figured out how to play together, like yet in a way that they're both awesome at the same time. Like that. Yeah. I feel like we can say pretty authoritatively that that hasn't happened yet this season. That's really worrisome to me. I do wonder to an extent how much of this, you know, it isn't necessarily chemistry. It isn't necessarily disliking each other. It's just like, hey, these are two guys who could be the best player on a team. And maybe it's diminishing returns um, to an extent with them both on the court. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team. It is reassuring that the one well, it's not reassuring, but yeah, it's, reassuring. Really. <laughs> it's reassuring to a point if you're looking for a positive outlook that like, hey, the one guy that we hope is going to get better is a guy who at one point we thought was an MVP candidate. Like that's not a bad person to hope for improvement toward. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that is a good outlook. I just don't know if I see the, the improvements on a consistent basis that this team needs. You know, they've got a kind of a tough schedule over the next month. It's it's going to be tested if he doesn't make some of those improvements soon. Like, yeah, he was scoring 30 points against the Lakers. Lakers defense sucks. Those were against some pretty bad opponents. So I'm curious to see what happens over the next month or so when the schedule gets a little bit tougher. But I do agree with you. If you're, if you're going to be bullish on this team, that's a great way to look at it because there are positives. You guys want to uh, laugh about Ennis Cantor being the uh, the best player on the team over the last like two games? Yes, I would like to laugh about this. He's been pretty good. I mean, teams aren't really putting him in the pick and roll. I think part of that is like the Celtic scheme. Like they're doing a pretty good job of keeping him out of it. But like, it, I think the, the weird thing to me is what this means for like the Celtics big rotation, because obviously Rob Williams is coming back. I don't think Grant is a center at this stage. I think they're they're like starting to pair him down, turn him into kind of that like three, four tweener type player that I think he was always kind of meant to be in the NBA. Cantor being pretty good is 
not a bad thing when even when Rob comes back, because if Rob and, and Al, if you do decide to play both of those guys in the starting lineup, you still could use like a backup five. I don't know. I mean, if Cantor's that guy, like, yeah, I mean, he's been good. They also need to kind of shore up that front court depth a little bit, especially if Rob Williams is maybe going to deal with some injury issues later on in the season, which seems to be inevitable at, at some point. So I think it's important, and I did not see that coming at all, especially with the way Ime Odoka approaches defense. Earlier this season, I was like, Ennis Cantor's never going to touch the floor. And if he does, it's going to be a total, absolute disaster. So I've been pleasantly surprised with his effectiveness on that side of the court because I did not see that coming at all. But it's been a nice positive. It shored up some of that front court depth, which they kind of need. All right. So we just got way off the rails on a section that you guys, the listeners, will never hear until we start doing Patreon episodes on Ennis Cantor theories. But we'll, 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 bring, we'll bring things back here. Um, there's a lot of Ennis Cantor theories. So before we go, you guys, any, any, other, uh, any other things that have struck you? Any other things that have been kind of funny over the last two weeks? I mean, obviously... A lot of the stuff that we pay attention to is like the stuff that makes us chuckle anyway. So what, uh, what, what are some of the things that have made you guys laugh over the last couple of weeks? I mean, I- <laughs> I'm sorry. That a- the socks. <laughs> the socks. <laughs> uh, let's get back away from the Ennis Cantor theories. Let's get back on a serious let's note. The Celtics Stop. wear funny socks and they get even funnier when they lose. It is so funny. Those socks are objectively funny. It's just so funny that the whole team has to wear these striped socks. <laughs> Those socks became even funnier when they were in a giant scoring drought at the end of that Spurs game because things were going horribly in the middle. You're like, I can't believe they have to do this while wearing those socks. But also, <laughs> on another uniform note, the Spurs uniforms are awesome. Those, nice. I think they, what do they call them? They're, I forget the theme that they call them, but. They're sweet uniforms. Those are cool. And make the socks look even worse. Why can't the Celtics have cool uniforms? The Celtics do have an odd thing with uniforms where I think they try, because the Celtics brand is like classic. It's original. They don't shake things up too much on any level, whether it's like on social media, with uniforms, whatever. But I feel like when they try to shake things up like just a little bit with the uniforms, it never really goes over. By signing on his cancer. By It never really goes over all that well. Like the fans, I think, for the most part, weren't crazy about the uniforms that they brought out this year. It's almost like, just like keep it simple. Like, I, I don't or, know. Or go all in. Like you, right. you have to choose one or the other. You can't do this kind of straddle the line thing. That's what they're like, trying to do. Like, I, I think this actually applies to like, honestly, their social me- uh, media usage and everything. It's like, you either can be the Hawks, right? Where the Hawks have like a very funny Twitter account. They're like very personality driven or you can just be completely straight laced. Yeah. And I feel like you just kind of have to choose which one you want to do. I feel like the same thing with the jerseys, right? Where you either, either you just do the classics or you do like Miami Vice. I kind of liked last year's city jerseys because they were the, uh, you know, they were the, um, like the banner, like the, the championship banner letters and stuff. Because it was like, okay, like whether or not you like the jerseys, the concept is kind of cool. It's cool. And, yeah. and it fits in with the Celtics kind of classic um, you know, kind of uh, very simple, classic kind of stylings. That one made sense to me. Um, it's just like, yeah, if you're like, you really have to pick a lane though. Like whatever lane you choose, it's got to be one or the other. This year's are the worst ones by far in recent years. Are the jerseys uh, the reason? No, I mean, it depends. Def- define recent. Cause they had those gray sleeved jerseys that looked like the gray ones were awful. They if were we're awful. going back, no, the gray no, ones were really like- bad. 
past like four or five years. If the yeah, Celtics crazy. brought out the gray sleeves on Jason Tatum would be shooting 21% from three this year. It would be brutal. Jason Tatum would just be like, I'm would like a trade. <laughs> I'm waiting for the St. Louis franchise. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done waiting for the St. Louis franchise. All right, guys, as always, uh, we appreciate everybody. For listening. This was a classic Gino time episode. Someday, someday we'll voice our Ennis Cantor theories behind a paywall. Probably yeah. not. We probably <laughs> shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know if we will. But we appreciate everybody for sticking with us. Uh, we apologize for the lengthy delay. We'll be back again later this week. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to get in touch, and we will talk to you all again soon.